Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today. So we do our midweek sermon recap, uh, looking over the sermon from this past Sunday. Hopefully you were there. If not, I'd encourage you to listen to it. Uh, you can listen to it online. You can listen to it on our podcast as well. It should come up in your feed if you subscribe to to this. Uh, you can also listen to sermons live every Sunday at 1030. Well, I said I hope you were there. In the more right? That's yeah. another, yeah. Well, not at 1030. Well, I don't right. get up there till about 11. You can listen to announcements. You can listen to announcements. <laughs> listen to Pastor Scott at 1030 live. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a moving announcement. Yeah, you did awesome. It was just like, wow. We missed you last week because you were baptizing, so I had to do it. And mine are pretty quick and plain. Yeah. Yours are much better. Good. Yeah, you do a great job with it. It's awesome. Well, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we looked at verses 1 through 16 can be broke up a little bit, the first two verses, and then verses 3 through 16 kind of are a little different, but Paul's been telling Timothy uh, things that he needs to do in the church as a pastor, uh, things he needs to do in his life as a pastor, and uh, part of that has been to exhort, to teach, to preach, to read the word to people, and so that can be a difficult task. You're, you're instructing people and telling people what they need to be doing, reminding them of who Christ is and what he has done. And if that's the case in their life, then it's like, well, then this is how we should be living. This is what should be happening in the life of the church. And so in verses one and two, uh, Paul talks to Timothy about what people would say is like a multi-generational type of, of church. Um, I said that in my, in my message. I don't know if everybody would know this. There's a lot of churches out there who, I mean, you guys can tell me if you've heard about it, who target specific generations. Have you guys ever heard of that before? Like, um, that's that's one of their main focuses, or, or a couple generations, maybe not one specific, but like a couple generations. Have you guys heard that before? Yeah, but not just generations, but also demographic groups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I hear that from people. It's like, we need to reach the young people, and so then they gear everything towards the young people to try to get young people into the church, whatever that might be, like the style of the building, uh, the style of the worship, uh, even to the clothes that people wear just to try to make uh, certain generations feel more comfortable. And and to be honest with you, this goes a couple ways, right? We think about younger generations, how churches would do that, but there are some churches who just simply seem to cater to older generations. Uh, they might not be doing that purposefully and they might be wondering why is there only a bunch of old people here and it's like well that seems to be the only people you're targeting mm-hmm. right everything is geared towards them um and so sometimes it can happen by accident sometimes it happens on purpose but when paul talks to timothy here it seems like he has a church that is full of people of all ages right and so there's this church family just like a just like a family a big extended family would come together you're going to have probably babies and children and toddlers and teenagers, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, all the way up to maybe people in their 80s or 90s, right? Great-great-grandmas or, or whatever are part of the family. And that's how the church should, should look as well. And as we minister to a congregation, we have to remember, or as we're a part of a congregation, members of a church, we got to remember that we're members of, with all of them, with all those people. And we, we love all of them. We love the little babies and we want to take care of them. But we also love those who are older, and we want to be able to take care of them and love on them, and then everything in between as well. And it causes a lot of work. It can cause a lot of time, but it's not something that we should uh, 
shy away from. And we see that with Paul's words here in the first two, because he, he's telling Timothy how to deal with men and women who are older than him, men and women who may be younger than him, and how to, and, and there's a difference. It's interesting. There's a difference in how you would lead and talk to these different different people, right? You can't just treat everybody the exact same because age does does matter or gender does matter of how you're going to talk and, and deal with these people, especially when you're trying to um, exhort from Scripture truth, right? So uh, he says real quickly, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. All right, so four areas there, older men, fathers, younger men, brothers, older women, mothers, younger women as sisters, but then he puts that caveat with the younger women in all in all purity, uh, really a focus there. Uh, so we talked about this Sunday. You guys have anything to add to that? When you're dealing with an older man as a father, what does that look like? What do you think, what do you think he's getting at there? I think, well, first of all, I'd like to talk about kind of what is being assumed here by Paul which is that the church is a family. Mm -hmm. Um, You already see that um, earlier when Paul says um, in verse 15 of chapter 3, well, right before he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. The household, right? Households in the ancient world um, included parents, father, a father and a mother, husband, a wife with children, but also it could include slaves. It could include more extended family relationships. That's why um, we have what are called household codes in, for instance, the um, Ephesians and Colossians, where you have husbands, wives, parents, children, masters, slaves. Those relationships were all part of the household uh, in the ancient world, in the ancient Roman Empire at this time. So, uh, whenever Paul is do, is is addressing those relationships there, and now he's applying it here in verses five one through two, and also even with the the widows, honestly, what Paul is is assuming, and I think this is very, <clears throat> this is something that um like Sinclair Ferguson points out, he says the church is not like family. The me- family is not a metaphor for the church. The church is a family. We are a spiritual family in Jesus Christ. So that's who we are. Um, that is part and parcel of our identity. So what Paul is calling Timothy to do is to treat the other members, the individual members in the church as family. So how would you treat the people in your, you know, older people in your family? You would treat them like fathers with respect. You would treat younger men, younger men like brothers, old, younger women like sisters in all purity. So what he's assuming here is the the fact that we're family, we're, we're connected. And that's something that, um, I think we need to recover and reclaim uh, as as churches is that sense of family um, that that we are tied together in a very close knit intimate way um, that that perhaps we forget about because that's what's assumed here and that's why then Timothy is to 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 act this way. Okay, how do you treat your dad? It says to treat older people as fathers. Um, so what I mean, what is Paul getting at with that? Respect, yeah, reverence. Um, I guess honestly, this shows the fifth commandment applies to church life. Honor your father and your mother. 
because the fifth commandment doesn't simply apply to your biological parents. It applies to all those who have either age or superior relationships to you, um, in the church. And, um, and so uh, the fifth commandment applies within the context of the local church. You honor those to whom honor is to be due. Um, and the old Testament says that you are to, uh, bow down before the, uh, the bald headed or the gray headed ones, right? Come on guys. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. So we will bow <laughs> before Scott. Scott every morning. Scott looks like Yul Brenner actually more than I don't know who that is. Yul Brenner either. Ha, ha, you do is. too. You know, the 10 commandments Pharaoh. Oh yeah. That's oh, Yul Brenner. I, I was a sports guy. Dang it. No. <laughs> so yeah, but I think that it shows there's. The fifth, the fifth commandment applies in church life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's interesting. You know, you point out the way he's to treat sisters in all purity. There's like that modifier, but there's also, I mean, a little extra there when he's talking about and dealing with an older man. Do not rebuke them, right? There's a specific negative thing, like do not rebuke an older man. And that's just, I mean, it's not right for you to approach, I mean, going to the family again, your own father with a spirit of, I'm going to show him what's right. I'm going to tell him what's right. right. I'm going to correct this guy because he clearly doesn't understand. I mean, there's been a few times in my life where I've had the guts to try to do that to my own dad, and it has not turned out very well, you know. <laughs> and I usually end up being shown that I'm the moron in the situation, you know. And um, and so I think there's, again, just a place for respecting. Even if, I th- and you think about Timothy and where he's at, in this church, and he's been encouraged by Paul um, to not let others look down on him for his youth, but that's not license for Timothy to go around demanding respect from everybody as a pastor. And I think that's a word to us as well of like, even if there are older individuals, um, older men in our church that would be incorrect on something or wrong on something, we don't have license to go around rebuking them and humbling them in front of everyone. They've They've been around. They've earned respect. They have wisdom that we need to uh, to recognize as well. Yeah, and so you have to balance that word rebuke, though, but, but still there's exhortation. There can still be correction because Timothy has been charged to deal with false teachers. Uh, those false teachers might be older than him, and so he can't just let that keep going on. But like you had said, what was important, I think, is the trying to like uh, embarrass them uh, you know, put them down. There's ways to handle that and to deal with that that can be done uh, respectfully and honorably. And so, and lovingly. Yeah. Because love is behind all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Reconciliation is always at the at the forefront of this, you know, as we want to see them exhorted for the false teachers dealt with and hopefully they repent. Right. Sure. Sure. And I think, yeah, it's kind of like that too, where it's like you don't, you don't want to come across condescendingly. Um, because we see that that's the temptation of every younger generation mm-hmm. is to tell the past generation that you guys have no idea what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, especially, I mean, I think the ancient world probably had a much higher view of um, the respect due to older people. So if this commandment was still given to Timothy back then, you could imagine what, um, how much less we, we value um, the aged and the old in, in our society today where everything is about being young, new, fresh, contemporary, um, this commandment all the more is applicable to yeah. our situation. I mean, if you think about the, the two ways, I mean, do not rebuke, but encourage. I mean, if you, if, if I just have the mental, 
mindset of going into a conversation with a person that is maybe even in error about something. But my mindset is, okay, I'm going to go rebuke this person. This is a, a conversation where this person needs to be rebuked versus I need to encourage this person. You know, I need yeah. to encourage them towards the right direction. You generally will approach and have a very different tone in that conversation sure. based on I'm here to rebuke versus I'm here to encourage. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it plays out that way too. All right. As we continue on here in chapter five, uh, like we said, verse one and two, talking to uh, older men, women, younger men and women. Well, in verses three through 16, Paul spends quite a bit of time talking to Timothy about widows within the church, widows within the congregation, and how to minister to widows well. Uh, whenever I pro- I don't know, maybe maybe this is a conversation topic we could talk about a little bit, but I find this to be a difficult type of passage to preach on well, because, <clears throat> excuse me, as I look at it, verses 3 through 16, it's all, it's all uh, practical. It's all do. You know what I mean? And so I get nervous that the message is going to be, you got, you got this congregation here on Sunday listening. There's people who are lost. There's people coming in all different ways. And what I don't want is I don't want them to leave hearing a message that's all do, 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 do without any this is who God is, and this is what he's done for us, and look at his kindness and his love, right? But in a passage like this, I, I think it can be, uh, for me, really difficult to feel like I have a good balance in the, in the message. And so, I don't know, I'd be interesting to hear from you guys a little bit. When you preach expositionally like this, you know, Paul has wrote this whole letter to Timothy, and so he's already had all of the doctrine and the truths within the letter he's had the privilege of that and so the people listening to the letter have heard that and now they're at the do part now i've been preaching through this letter and so if they've if you've been here every week you've heard a lot you've heard that you've heard a lot of messages with grace and talking about that but when you get to this section i guess my my fear is somebody is here they haven't been here they're just they just leave and they're like man he's just just made me feel guilty because I didn't uh, take care of my grandma, you know, or whatever properly. And so there's a, there's a fear of that. Um, have you guys ever had to deal with that or, or approach that? Because I don't know, in this passage, I mean, that's, that's what it is. It's all about, this is how you handle widows. This is how you need to treat them. Mm -hmm. Um, this is how you need to determine if they have a need or don't have a need, right? This is what you need to tell them. And that's it. That's what we have in these, in these verses here. So Get you get what I'm getting. It's just kind of difficult. So. Yeah, I think one of the helpful questions to ask then is, whenever you come to a passage like this, is why did God the Holy Spirit inspire this text? Because yes, it is giving us instruction as to how the local church um, should apply the fifth commandment in its context. But then the question is, why did God do that? Well, and I think what you can draw back even farther, and then if you if you look at the whole rest of Scripture, you see God is a God, and you brought this out, God is a God who has concern for the, the help, marginalized. Yeah, the helpless. Yeah, the helpless. And that, first of all, applies to salvation. We were, we were, we were helpless in our sins, mm-hmm. and he came to save us. And similarly, he's a God who loves the sojourner, the orphan, the widow. And so you see God's love 
in the background behind all of this. That's the anchor that that ties all of this together and even makes verses 3 through 16 possible. So while it's not explicitly stated in the text, when you step back and ask that question, why would God the Holy Spirit inspire Paul to write this to Timothy? Well, it's because God cares about how widows are treated. He loves them. He loves those people in the church. And also, Jesus cares about them. And because if the, if the church is the household of God and the body of Christ, then Jesus is at work taking care of them. And this is what Jesus wants his body to do to take care of them. And so that's, but that's not, and that's inseparable from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then the, what he's done for us impacts now what he does through us as the body of Christ and what we're called to do. So I guess asking those kinds of questions, what is, what does this say about who God is or who Christ is in these verses? Um, And I think then you realize, oh, in the background and maybe invisibly you can, you can, you can see God's hand at work through all of these commands um, working and, and, and highlighting because also another thing about the law is to important to remind ourselves too. God never commands us to do something that is uh, not a reflection of his character, at least in the moral law, the moral law, the 10 commandments are reflections of God saying, this is who I am. So this is who you should be. So if God's telling us to be this way, this is who you should be. The reason is, is because that's who he is. And so all of those things tie in, I think, to how you present verses three through 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So looking at verses three through 16, we see, first of all, that, uh, there was a need in the church, it seems, to care for widows. And we can go all the way to Acts 6 with that. Uh, really, the first complaint that arose in the church was that some widows weren't being, their needs weren't being met. And and it wasn't a case of the church saying, well, let them go fend for themselves or anything like that. It was, okay, let's, let's meet this need. And so we see the importance of that for the church uh, all throughout Scripture. And I, I talked about that towards the end of the sermon. You see it uh, in Deuteronomy. You see it with Ruth, right? You see it. In James, you see it in Jesus's life, uh, and so we can't we can't deny that fact that part of the job of the church, the task of the church, is to care for those in need, those who are helpless, and in this case, widows specifically. Uh, but we see the kindness of God in doing that and giving us all these verses. Right? There's a lot of verses here dealing with with widows, but what Paul says is we need to make sure when we're caring for widows, first of all, that uh, they are actually widows and widows in need, right? And so there's some things that you need to to look for. And the reason for that is, again, I, I tried to stress this some, is that the, the church's money and the funds need to be used well, and leaders of the church need to make sure that it's being used well. And so it's not a case of um, throwing people aside who actually have need. It's looking at those who don't really have the need or they have other ways to have the need met and having them go to those resources so that the church can actually focus on those who really have no, there's no other option. They can help them here. And so it's like, that's what Paul is getting at here with these widows is making sure that they actually have need. And then he he talks a little bit more about that. And so in like verses four, verses eight, verses 16, we see Paul pointing out to Timothy, first of all, that if they have family, so they're, I'm also speaking mainly about women, widows, because that would have been what was happening here. 
Uh, I think all widows are women. Right? Yeah, what's, what is it called for men, though? Widower. Widower. Widower, yeah. It's, I'm not trying to say that the church should never help a widower, right? I guess I didn't make that point uh, in my in my message. But specifically here, because especially during this time in, in the Bible, uh, she couldn't, the widow wasn't going to be able to go get a job, didn't have any worth, right? Didn't have any anything. And so they would have been uh, defined as helpless, a very helpless. Um, but if they have family still, so if their husband died, but they have children, you know, or they have grandchildren, or they have family who can take care of them, Paul's saying here, the family needs to take care of them. That's their duty. That's their task. That is that is their job. And Paul specifically talk, talks to the children and the and the grandchildren um, here. And it says, you know, basically you got, you need to pay them back. That's part of what you need to do, and this is how you honor them: is you take care of the the widow within your family. And uh, I think this is a, a good word, and it, it's something that I think is difficult for churches today because many most churches today get just flooded with requests for help from mainly, honestly, it's from people not within the church. At least here, we don't get asked for a ton of help from church members or family of church members even or anything like that it's just random people and it's hard to determine oftentimes real needs from from fake needs or or needs that can be met somewhere else and there have been times when dealing with people even within the church where you say you know I think I know you're coming here for food or whatever but like in our case you might say something like have you went to uh the MCOP because they offer free food, you know, this stuff. And and sometimes what I've gotten back is anger. Like, that would even be suggested. It's like, well, you're the church. You should be helping us. And then you're kind of seen as unloving or that you don't really care uh, for people. But yet we, we see Paul kind of doing that here is like, especially with family, is you have other means. that the, This money doesn't need to be used for that. You know, go to your kid and go to your grandchildren. They should be the ones taking care of you and and helping you during this this time. Yeah. And that's a that's a valid example. I mean, especially when you're considering like you said earlier about the church should handle its funds well. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's a kind of uh, an easy example to give, but I think even considering here <clears throat> they're talking about widows that are in their church. They're not strangers. Um it doesn't seem. But who should you be caring for? There are some widows in your church that the church doesn't have to take care of or shouldn't have to take care of because they still have family that God has called through the commandment to to honor your father and your mother and generally your family as well. Um, I think another example, and you guys can tell me what you think about this. I mean, in terms of the widows or the even the just the generally the elderly here in our church, I don't know how often we get asked for physical provision from the elderly or the widows or widowers here in our church. But the need that I hear them have more than any other that's pretty sad is they're just lonely. And it's it's sad. They have to call and they, they look to the church for people to come and just spend time with them and visit them. Their family might be providing for their physical needs, but they're just sitting alone all the time when uh, this is one of the sad realities of trying to keep grandma separate from your own family and not like bringing them into their house, not just whenever they physically can't take care of themselves, but they're lonely. Mm-hmm. 
And that has a huge impact on them. I hear that from people all the time, that they're lonely. And it shouldn't be, that shouldn't be a burden that is just placed on the church. When you have family that, especially that lives in town, of you're not going to see them, you're not going to talk to them to the point where they're having to reach out to other people to come and, you know what I mean? I do, yeah. It's it's hard because... One of the one of the things I said in this message is we can't take what Paul says here and just say these are the rules. This is going to apply perfectly to us here. So, like an example would be Paul mentions an age of 60, 60 years mm-hmm. old, right? If they're mm-hmm. under sixty years old, can't be included. Got to be over sixty. Well, sixty years old back then was that's, ancient. That's very old. <laughs> yeah, that's like nineties. That's what I mean for like, us that's, today. That's ancient yeah. in age. But but some people would want to take this passage and be like, see, I'm over sixty, but. For us today, we'd be like, "Go get a job. <laughs> you can. Yeah. You could do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, or or whatever." Uh, and so it, it's not exactly 100 percent just transfer it over. We have to see what is Paul what is Paul saying here. And it's the same, I think, with households. We live now very differently than they would have lived. So, talking of your lonely point, is I believe homes during Bible times were pretty multi generational. Right, it wasn't. I'm married. I'm they were go. all the way up until the industrial revolution. Yeah, so it wasn't like, hey, I'm getting married, so me and my wife we're going to go get our own house. It didn't always work like that, right? And so the loneliness thing is, you you lived in the house with your with your family, and we don't have that anymore. Now it's it's rare for a whole family to stay in town, you know, let alone in a, in a house. And so things have gotten more complicated with with that. Which adds new challenges, right? Because Paul here seems to be, speak, to be speaking specifically to uh, financial needs, you know, or or uh, those physical needs of eating and stuff. Like, make sure that they're being took care of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for us, it's a little it's a little different because it's it's easier, it seems, to meet those financial needs. So, like the example I gave, it's easy to take grandma to a nursing home, you know, and put her in there. She's going to get food. It costs some money. But grandma probably has some money set aside and insurance and this stuff. And, and so it's it's doable. But what becomes more taxing on a family is let's go see grandma. You know, let's go call grandma because she's not at the house. So I'm not just going to see her every day. And, yeah, that's something I think that families need to uh, take take seriously. Well, it's just the question of like an older member. I can think of a couple of them right now. If I were to ask them, do you need anything? Their answer would be, no, we have everything we need. We're just lonely. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's that's a product of the the household separating right. like that. You right. Know? And it's in terms of like a need that you're right. Like that can't be like a one-to-one comparison mm-hmm. for the application here. But if you're thinking of what are the needs that are coming to us of those who are elderly mm-hmm. in our church, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. They're just lonely. And it's a sad state of affairs whenever – their own family just doesn't come see them very often. Like you said, like when they be in the nursing home and they have sons or daughters or grandchildren, but they don't really come see them very much. Right. You know? No. Yeah. And so that that's one of the ways that I think it would look. Now, for some families, it might look like, hey, we got to have, have my mom move in. You know? Dad died. She's not going to be able to handle the house. Not sending her to a nursing home. Let's, uh, we have the capabilities she can move in here, right? It might look like that for, for some families. Um, it might look like, okay, dad passed away. Mom can still live at home, especially if we help her some. So 
let's, uh, you know, once a week we're going to mow her grass and maybe help her clean some things up around the house. You know, other than that, though, she's she's fine. But it might look like that, right, of just helping um, in that way. Sometimes it's just helping take care of some financial matters. You know, you might have to do that for your widowed mother or grandmother, where, again, they're fine at home, but you could just help them out with some things financially, whatever that might be, doctor's bills, food. It it can play out in all different kinds of ways, but I I think it's something that uh, we need to be thinking through as families and really even planning about, you know, I don't think a lot of people plan about that stuff either of normally you get married and you have a life and you have kids and you're planning about your future. You're planning for your retirement, but it probably would be good too, to be like, well, if I move off to Montana and retire in Montana, like I'm wanting to do, I'm a sing. I don't, I'm the only kid who's going to take care of my mom and dad. Right. When I, when I leave, I, I don't, I don't know how often that stuff plays into people's minds. And of all people, as Christians, that's something that we should, you know, be thinking about and and really try to think through because it's our it's our task and it's our responsibility to help take care care of family. And Paul gives a really big warning in verse eight there. You know, like if you don't do this as a family, if you're not if you're not willing to do this, you're worse than an unbeliever. That's a that's a quite the statement that Paul makes there. And so it's something I think we need to take seriously. And I wanted to encourage our congregation because I know there's people in our congregation who are doing this. They're doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. They might not be doing it perfectly, but I don't think that's what's expected there, but they are, they are trying. They're trying to figure out, you know, they've, sometimes you just get thrown in these situations unexpectedly that what you guys weren't ready for it as a family, but now it happened. And, and so they're trying to do that. And to some extent, I want to applaud those members in our congregation who are doing this and say, good job. And remember, you know, like there's probably not a lot of fanfare for doing something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have multiple siblings, you're, if you're the primary one taking care of mom, your other siblings are probably telling you how bad you're doing at it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, you probably would love to go on a vacation, but it's hard because who's going to take care of, of mom or whatever, whatever it might be. I just want to encourage those people who are going through that to say, you are actually being very faithful to God in what you are doing. Mm -hmm. You're honoring the Lord. And so trying to even give the comparison, you know, of like a mission team or whatever, those, those people get praised. Mm -hmm. Those people get pictures, uh, during worship service put up on the wall and we're like, yeah, good job, you know? And, but those who've been 10 years in taking care of mom, they don't get the pictures Mm -hmm. and they often don't get much fanfare, but they're, they're being very faithful. And I want to encourage them to, to keep, keep being faithful, keep honoring your parents, Mm-hmm. Uh, in that way, or your grandparents, whatever whatever it might be, because it's something the Lord is calling us to. And again, it's not an exciting task. It's not some like thrilling thing, you know, some great adventure that you get to be a part of. Um, but it's one of those things that it's it's just faithfulness in everyday life, and this is where you find yourself uh, in life right now. And so, and hopefully, some encouragement there to keep doing that. You know, keep being faithful. You're honoring the Lord very faithfully. Yeah there and what you're doing. Uh, verses 9 and 10 say these widows, before they're taken on in the church, number one, right? They, if they have family, the family needs to do it. But they also need to have proven their faith. And so in verses 9 and 10, it says, Let a widow be enrolled if she's not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. 
If she's brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. And so, again, how the church handles its money is important. And what Paul is saying is if you're going to take on a widow and care for her and meet her needs, has she proven herself there in the church? Has she honored the Lord? Is she known to be hospitable? Does she have a good reputation? Is she known to be a servant, somebody who serves uh, and who is faithful uh, to their Lord? And, again, I'd, I'd like to hear from you guys, I guess. Um, how do you think that would be uh, received today? Somebody comes to us. Yeah, no, I think. And you're like, you know what? No, you're not very faithful. <laughs> well, I think part of it, too, is, is to, it's important to remind ourselves that it's not that um, – Paul saying you earn this by being good. I think another aspect of this too is if we're going to support you in a much more substantial way as a church, we need to know that you're not going to waste the funds of the church. You know, there's also that aspect where it's kind of like, you know, if, if a bank gives you a loan, part of the reason they check on your past history is so that they can know that you're going to be able to pay it back at the you're going to handle this appropriately. And I think that's also part of this too is um if you if we if the church takes you takes this specific widow this individual on as a in a loving way to substantially care for their their health and well-being, we need to know that that money is not going to be squandered. That support will not be squandered that you're not just going to be wasting it on needless frivolities. Um, and I think that's that's also part of this as well. Well, it also seems, I think this would be a good point to bring it up, it seems like there was some sort of... Nunnery? Is that what you brought up on <laughs> yeah. Sunday? <laughs> but, the sisterhood. Yeah. yeah, one of those in town? <laughs> <laughs> there seems to be some sort of widow something in this church where when they say taking on, I think it means even more than just feeding them or whatever because they have no family. They have right. no home. They have right. nowhere to go. And so it seems like there's something there where it's like, we're going to take you on, but there is then a devotion to the church and you are spending your life. Then you're not look, which we'll get to in a second. You're not getting remarried. You're not, you know, you're not, right. none of that is happening. And so you're going to be here at the church. And so I think it also shows like, this isn't going to be something new for you. Like you're saying, where, church life is new and prayer you've already you've been showing us this your whole life like the way you've lived your life we know you love the lord we know you're faithful to the lord and you're going to serve the church well in this position as well that's what it seems like and a lot of the commentaries said that as well like it it seems as if there was some sort of i don't know what the word would be group not nunnery but um the sisters of saint timothy (laughs) i don't know (laughs) I i have no idea we are thinking about turning the upstairs balcony those old Sunday, those old classrooms into convents. Is that, oh, we are. Is that what you? I didn't. know Are if we that going was. to rent them out? <laughs> <laughs> rent them out. Well, is it income? Yeah, oh. probably. That's not what this says we can do. No, yeah, we can't. Right. We can't make money as a church oh, yeah. either. Yeah, we yeah, can't make right. money as a church. Oh yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, we would be for profit. Then. <laughs> uh, but so they they have shown this. Then as we get, I didn't know how to talk about this section. Um, Verses 5 and 6, and then verses 11 through 15. It does say, Paul, so Paul says, I, I did this as one category. I think it could be it could be two. There's one of saying, if you can remarry, remarry, right? 
So if you can still go have a get a husband and you're going to have kids and have a household, Paul would urge that widow there, go go do that. Right? Go do that first and first and foremost. And and the reason for that would be you're probably going to desire that. And so you won't be able to serve the church like you're thinking. You're going to get pulled away. And so you're going to make this commitment to the Lord, but then you're going to go back on it because you're going to end up wanting to go and get married. So just bypass all that and just go go and get married. So you definitely had that in there with the younger. But there's something else that was added on that, again, could have been the second category, but I didn't really know how to talk about it and have a good title or whatever. But it was don't just be single for the sake of being single and having the freedom to be idle, to not work type of thing. And Paul says this, cause this is a danger. And so for women, we often see in scripture, uh, when it starts talking about sin, that's creeping at the door for women, it's often not like sexual sin and stuff like that. It's gossiping, busybody, idleness, just going about And it. The way it kind of seems is, and this, this sounds harsh, but it's like, what are you doing with your life type of thing? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you're widowed now. And what is your purpose? You know, are you, are you working? Are you caring for a family? Are you at the church serving the church? What are you doing? Don't, don't just be idle. You know, don't just be that person who like, "Eh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Kohl's and TJ Maxx. I'm just going to walk around. That's kind of what I do every day. I think it's important to recognize that, For women, being married is not what gives them purpose. But in this context, it was definitely a way for them to mm-hmm. make sure they were provided for yeah. physically. And so we don't want to say that, well, in order for your life to still have purpose, you need to go get married again. I don't think that's what this is saying, right? No, it's not. But I mean, Scripture does affirm pretty well that one of the big purposes of women is family and is marriage and is having kids. And we get that there's those who can't, that medically that just doesn't happen for them. But I, I would say, I think there are those who just straight choose. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I don't want that to happen to my body. You know, I don't want this. And there's a selfishness to it that you have to be careful with. Same with men, same way, same way with men, uh, where men will be very selfish and not do, I think what God has created us, us to do. And I think that's what kind of this warning is here with that also. Mm. Right. Um, yeah. And so just the, that idea of don't, because here's what would happen a lot of times. I didn't bring this up, but what happened a lot of times with widowed people who are younger, but they chose not to get married, they'd end up as prostitutes mm. because that was the only job they could get and make money. And so now they're living a life of sin in that and in corruption. And so there was a warning there. Mm. That's what I think uh, one of the words they, I don't remember right now off the top of my head. I preached the sermon, so I, I lose it all in my mind after I preach the sermon. <laughs> um one of the words, I can't remember. Is it in uh, verse 11? Their passions draw them away from Christ? So yeah, it could have been something like that. But anyways, that it was referencing that, that they would they, they could fall into that and how that was a common thing. That would happen with widows. But it, it was also, that would happen to a lot of widows just because they had no other choice. Their family wasn't taking care of them or whatever, and that's what they were left to. It's like, I, I, have, no, I have nothing. And, and so Paul's just warning of that, and that was another reason why the church needed to step in for those women who had no no family or anything else. Is the church needs to step in and take care of them? Don't let them fall into that, right? Don't let them fall into that lifestyle. You take care of them. 
Um, and so there's just this, again, this thought of being idle. And again, I would say that this truth, though, would extend not just to widows, but to people in their lives generally. You know, if we were made to work, God created us to to work. And and so we we shouldn't just live this life of of idleness all the time. I think I think a way that we could compare it to is nowadays with people who are retired. You know, when you get retired, what people find out I think sometimes is you you some people feel like they have no purpose and what happens is they go back to work. They get a job again because they just struggle with that. Other people find joy in vacationing and doing all this stuff, but I think what we have to be careful with is acting as if we have no purpose anymore, right? When we retire, we still shouldn't be idle. We shouldn't just become busybodies, just kind of going back and forth and getting through life. We still are able to serve God, to honor God. We're still able to serve our families and to help our families. We're still able to do so many different things. Uh, and so I can, I kind of think this passage can, can speak to that as well, as Paul gives that warning. Don't fall into being a busybody. Don't fall into idleness, right? Uh, let the church come in and help you uh, with that. And so, again, I just put it all under one category. If they have a chance to remarry, he kind of says uh, there, let them. Well, you have those you have those kinds of phrases, too, that we hear. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Right, yeah. Um, I've heard one of the Puritans said once that if a bird is just sitting on a limb, it's really easy for an archer to get it. And similarly, if we're just sitting there doing nothing, we're much easier targets for Satan. Mm-hmm. And so you have this general principle. I mean, there's a reason why God said it's not good for man to be alone, because it's not good for anybody, generally speaking, to be alone. Um, it's not good to be single, generally speaking, contrary to what our society today says. There's a reason why God has given us marriage. And one point of that that we often don't talk enough about, but that we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I think, is to help prevent uncleanness. Um, Because the idea that most of us are able to, um, are given the gift of uh, proper control of our sexual passions is a myth. Most of us don't have that. That's what Paul says in First Corinthians and seeming to allude again here in First Corinthians chapter right, five. Yeah, yeah. So the idea that first that, Timothy five. First Timothy five, sorry. Yeah, first Timothy five. Um, so again, I think that's what that's also what's behind this as well. It's not good for any of us to be alone. We need other we need to be general most people are going to need to be in a marriage relationship at most points in your adult life. And these widows that they're talking about to be enrolled are those who are at the end of their lives. And those temptations have been subdued, I would assume, at that point in their life. As uh, Yeah, that's as, what it seems like. Yeah. It's happening there. Yeah. So there's not the danger anymore so much. It's not so much a temptation anymore. But the way to fight spirit, one way to fight spiritual warfare is to get married. And we don't think about that enough, but that's that's kind of what's behind this, mm-hmm. to stick up to fight the relationship, to fight the the good mm-hmm. warfare, and to pursue Christ. Most of the time, for most of us, typically is going to be in a marriage relationship, and that's where Paul really seems to consistently push people towards, is to embrace the goodness of marriage as a holy gift from God. So this is a. Again, this is an interesting section. It's very different, I think, than what you often think you would hear when you go to church on Sunday morning. 
uh, to hear a message that was devoted to to widows. But that's that's one of the good parts of preaching the way that we try to preach here, of going through a passage and not skipping any verses, trying to take it little section by little section, so that you you don't have the privilege of avoiding these types of passages. Uh, and so hopefully we all had a chance to learn something. Hopefully, hopefully God uses it in our in our lives. And again, like I said at the end of the message, I think for for some of us, the response to the message probably would be on the family side of, am I doing as a family member what I should be doing for my loved ones, my grandparents, my parents, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, and again, I, I don't want everyone to walk out feeling guilty. That That's not the purpose. I do want us to do better and be better with those things that God calls us to. But we are reminded, like Spencer talked about in his sermon last night, and I did in the week before in the evening service, is that we understand that we have our we have our rest in Christ and his finished work. And so our salvation isn't based on these things. It's on what he has done. But because of what he has done, we want to serve him, and we want to honor him with our life and do the things that he's called us to. And this is one of the things he's called us to, right, is to care for, for widows. And so family can do that. And then as a church, we want to be able to do that. And so I also made the appeal at the end of service is if, if someone was there who's a widow and we don't know it and they're hurting and they're needing help, let us know. Because at church, we do have a, a widow ministry. We have a group of widows who meet pretty regularly, at least once a month. They get together here at the church or somewhere else. They play games. But out of that, I know, out of that ministry has come relationships where those ladies they're not just doing something once a month. They're they're actually caring for each other and helping each other, and it's a it's a really great thing. And then on top of that, I know our deacons regularly um, are checking in on some of the our church family who uh, is in need, widows, but also others who are shut in or whatever the case might be. And our our deacons really do the best that they can to try to to help, uh, but we can't help if we if we don't know, right? And so. Uh, that appeal would go out again is if someone in our church is a widow and is needing something, please, please let us know. And we'll do our best to, to do what we can as a church, because we want to be faithful to what the scripture says as a church as well. And that's one of the areas is with our, with our widows. So hopefully we can do that. All right. You guys got anything else you need to add? Any wise words or quotes from some old book or Scott <laughs> quotes from an old book no 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 wisdom <laughs> no did I they deal, how did they deal with widows in Star Trek Scott I didn't know Picard does they, that ever come beam up? Them up I mean beam them they up. have pretty darn good medicine yeah <laughs> and nobody really has to pay for food anymore you can just go up to a replicator and it's made for you oh nice okay yeah all right, this Star Trek is awesome. <laughs> I was going to say something hopefully productive. <laughs> okay. In that I do think it's encouraging. I mean, we we talked kind of at the beginning of this episode about um balancing balance in this sermon of we don't just want this to be all do 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 do. But it is encouraging to see like practically speaking Timothy is a pastor of a church and the church has practical needs that need to be taken care of and Paul his mentor is giving him advice about that of how to do that. And we here as pastors, there's practical needs here at this church that we have to take care of, that we have to address, that have a big impact in people's lives and in our witness as a church body to the world and the way that we care for our family in Christ. 
And so it's it's not always bad to focus on the practical needs that because they they they're important. You know, they were important to the early church, mm-hmm. and they're important to us too. And uh, and it's good to see like Timothy just needed advice <laughs> of what to do and how to handle this situation that was going on. That's right. Not just about false teachers, but how do I care for the widows in my church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, we hope to see you this coming Sunday as we'll uh, continue in First Timothy chapter 5. I uh, look forward to preaching that. Hopefully you can read ahead uh, and study that a little bit so you know what's coming. Uh, but if we, we don't have a chance to see you this week, we hope that you have a, a great week, but we really hope that we do see you on Sunday, Lord willing. So until then, uh, have a great week. God bless.